Hello, Spirit Lifters. Good day, and I hope you're doing well wherever you are. In this episode of Spear Lift, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Dinesh Palapana, who was the first quadriplegic medical intern in Queensland, Australia, and the second person to graduate medical school with quadri- quadriplegia in Australia. Dinesh is a senior resident in the emergency department at the Gold Coast University Hospital. He's a lecturer at Griffith University with research interests in spinal cord injury. And Dinesh was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia in 2019. And he is the third Australian to receive a Henry Viscardi Achievement Award. Dinesh, it's a pleasure to have you on this episode of Spearlift. Welcome. Hey, Devin. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. No, it's a pleasure, Dinesh. And, and I'm just so honored to speak to you on this episode. And I think your um, story is so inspirational. And, and let's get right into it. I would like, let's please start. Let's take our spear lifters back to when you were 25 years old. And how did what happened at the, that stage of your life change the trajectory, trajectory of your life? Well, um, when I was 25, that was 2010. I was just over halfway through medical school and life was really good. Um, I, you know, had everything. Uh, I was living in a beautiful city. I had a great apartment and I, um, you know, medicine is something that I love so much. So um, all these things were falling into place and everything was good. Um, and those days I used to often visit my parents in Brisbane on weekends. And on one such weekend, it was the 31st of January, 2010. I went to visit them and I was driving back along a highway, which, uh, was a little bit wet because it had been raining that day. And I was just driving along perfectly normally. And I saw maybe something a little bit shiny on the road, maybe something a little bit slick. I don't know. But I came up to it and uh, it was too late to avoid it. But as soon as I hit it, my car lost control and it started sliding all over the road. And then it uh, hit an embankment on the side of the road. It came back down and it started rolling from nose to tail. And it rolled and rolled and rolled. And uh, it was one of the most violent experiences that I had in my life. And uh, once it stopped, I tried to get out of the car. And I tried to open the door and I realized that my fingers weren't obeying my commands anymore. And uh, I tried to move and I realized that my body is not working. And then I put my hand on my leg and I realized that I couldn't feel them. So I knew what had happened. And um, uh, that was it. That, that, that Within those seconds, my life changed forever. I had a spinal cord injury and lost function of everything below my chest and also my fingers. Um, Interestingly, I met the firemen uh, who first attended the scene in their fire truck and they told me that they lost control of the truck as well as, 
as they were approaching the scene. So presumably there was something on the road that night that caused it, but uh, yeah, it uh, changed my life forever. I spent seven or eight months in hospital subsequently. And then it took me about another four years to put my life back together. And I came back to medical school um, after that. I finished med school and here I am four years later. Unbelievable. Dennis. And so you were starting and you were already enrolled in med school before this happened. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was halfway through. Did that, did this accident change your motivation for wanting to become a doctor? You think did it, did it, did it change your perspective on the meaning behind it in any way? Yeah, I think so. I think it made my um, it made my convictions a lot deeper. I didn't grow up wanting to be a doctor. I didn't grow up um, wanting to, you know, I never thought about it actually. Um, I thought, you know, all this stuff, I thought medicine was cool and I thought what doctors did was cool, but I never thought, you know, I want to be a doctor and I want to be doing this. So in fact, um, my first degree, I, I studied law first and I got a degree in law. Um, and when I was a law student, I went through a severe depression and anxiety and panic attacks and agoraphobia. So I was afraid to go outside the house for a period of time. It was really that experience and my interaction with doctors then and um, a lot of soul searching that happened during that time because I think um, there's a huge uh, physical component and a physiological component to depression and whatever else. And for me, indeed, there was an underlying cause medically. But also, I think it's um, there's a philosophical contribution to it where it's a time where you have to do a bit of soul searching and find yourself again um, or find yourself for the first time, as it were, for me. And that's how I ended up thinking that medicine would be a really cool thing to do because, you know, when I was going through that period, I realized that, uh, you know, when you're... Um, when you're in your own head and when you're uh, going through all these things, your vision of the world and the world around you change because the world is really a reflection of our soul, right? It's what we think. And my world was a very dark place at the time. But uh, after I got through that period, my world was very different. It was bright, it was sharp, it was happy, it was, uh, it was great. And um, you know, uh, my mom says that when you help someone, you may not change the world, but you'll change the world for them. And uh, that that really that that was really a powerful thing for me, and that's why I decided to become a doctor. You know, because um, I, I probably look terrible this morning because I worked a night shift last night, and um, I was working in the kids' uh, emergency department that we have. And um, I helped, um, I was able to help a child and their parent with uh, not a very big medical issue. It was a fairly um, straightforward thing to figure out. But that moment, you know, they were so happy and they were so thankful um, and they were 
and we were all very grateful for the opportunity that we had and that's what it's all about you know it's just that one it's just those single connections that you make that's after i had the spinal cord injury um i saw that within myself when my interactions with doctors were variable i had some incredible ones that i remember to this day those very words and those very conversations but i also had some terrible ones that um you know, people that told me that I can't be a doctor anymore. People that, so that experience made my convictions stronger about wanting to continue pursuing what I did. It's a very long answer. No, Sorry. That, that's incredible. What I want to, what I think would be great for Spiritlifters and Ashes is, is because there seems to be two phases here. Um, one where before when you were saying law and doing um, you know, a whole different thing with your life. At that time, there were certain, I, I guess, uncertainties, anxieties, like feeling depressed, like like you're like you're relevant and not um, knowing what your soul really wanted in this life, what it really desired. What, and then you found that that's that like spark through wanting to go into medicine, and then you have your accident, and then there's a lot of you know, new, new type of life, new uncertainty, and then feeling inspired again. So I think, you know, how do you, you think that the way that you saw life and then felt reinvigorated with this inspiration after you started to come out um, from the accident was stronger than the motivation that you had before going in, into medicine, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I think, um, yeah, see, I think at a baseline from from my previous experience, I already had a passion for medicine. And, you know, um, the trick to life, I think, is to find, you know, for all of us, is to find that passion, whatever it may be whatever it may be um, because when you really find that it doesn't feel like work it feels like something that's you know it's just your craft that you do every day and or it's your what it, you know it's your passion um, so that was always there but certainly afterwards there were a lot of additional reasons that strengthened my resolve um, and there was a lot of time that I spent in a hospital bed and there was a lot of time that I spent staring into a ceiling there's a lot of time and you know that that really gave me time to reinforce my reasons for doing it and build build extra things on it so yeah i think you're right there, there were definitely two phases but do you did you feel did any were sort of feeling overwhelmed by your new physical state of being lead you down you know, just feeling like, I, I don't know where I'm going to go with this, you know? Like, did it just lead you down a path that was like, I just don't know if my life has any more meaning, if my life, if I will even have a life that will, can add something to this world? Like, how, how, where was like the, where was like kind of the moment in that whole period where it was like, you know what? I am who I am 
doesn't yeah. change me, Dinesh, as my what's in here, what's in what I feel inside of here, what's in my heart. It doesn't change that. I am who I am, and I'm like, I love that. I am accepting of that, despite my yeah. physical impediment. When, yeah. when when did that moment come to you? Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because uh, I'm a I'm a I'll admit I'm a, I'm a pretty main guy, so I um, always like to buy good clothes. I always like to um, you know do my hair well, whatever else, and uh, you know I always try to take pride in those external things. So suddenly being in this state was a very big hit from that perspective as well. I was like, geez, like. You know, coming into terms with the physical identity, and it's funny. I, I recently met uh, um, I recently met someone who had a spinal cord injury as well, and they were telling me that they didn't look in the mirror for months and months and months. And uh, then I realised that I didn't either. Actually, I didn't look in the mirror for about two years, year and a half probably and a half to two years so um fascinating isn't it like uh um but having said that um and i've spoken about this a couple of times i read i read about this concept called alive time and dead time and i think it was uh i can't remember the book i read it in might have been ryan holiday um but essentially the book talked about a lifetime and dead time. And uh, it was, it gave an example where Malcolm X, and it was saying that, you know, Malcolm X had a very different past um, and he ended up in jail. And in jail, um, you know, he was a prisoner, his uh, physical territory was limited and you know, you're, you're, you're a prisoner. And over that period of time when he was in jail, he ended up saying that, it's where he was most free because it's where his mind was free. It's where he read a lot and it's where he grew and changed into who he was. So the concept of this alive time and dead time was that when you have some of these events um, where you're plunged into some dark depths where you, you, there might be no escape, you have two choices. One is to think that, you know what, I'm screwed this time is nothing and I just have to wait it out. The other thing you can do is to look at it as an opportunity and try to use that time to do something productive. And um, that's what I tried to do over a period of time as well. And I took this time to really reflect on my self as a person. And I thought like, you know what, I want to come out of this like, uh, Another, another uh, story that I really enjoyed that time was uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, where, you know, although I wasn't motivated by revenge, uh, but, but um, I, I just thought, you know, this, this is a time where I just want to become better than I was as a person. I want to become uh, stronger emotionally. I want to become, uh, you know, I want to, I want to develop my integrity. I want to develop all these values. I want to... Um, become more disciplined and this and that. So I used that time to read a lot of books about um, all these different things. Um, I, I thought about what my values are, what 
what uh, what sort of principles I want to live by. And I spent months and months and months just thinking, all right, this is who I'm going to be and I'm going to be better than I ever am. Um, and I used that time to reinvent myself as a person. And there are certain things that are, are you know, are very, I think the essence of me is probably the same, but the principles are very different to what I was before the accident. So I reinvented myself that way. Um, and I really tried to um, become a better person through that time. And I think that helped me come out of this um, and face the world again, because for the longest time, I didn't want to face the world. And I didn't want to wander out. Um, but doing all those things to um, making that alive time instead of dead time really helped. Dinesh, that's just really incredible way that you explored these let's say navigated these waters especially during that time and i think i think that's the crux of what i think our spirit lifters would really love to know is just like how can somebody who went through such an arduous such a um, challenging time with their body i mean I've I've had you know broken ribs before and and sprained ankles and I'm 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 a baby really I'm I just like drive my wife crazy and and I just can't stand more than one minute you know like having to deal with a physical ailment you know <laughs> like <laughs> so I feel I feel like like just nowhere like I, I feel very uh, unsupermanny in a way <laughs> I don't know how to find that expression but but. What what I want to get at regarding this is that how just uh, is it something that you're born with that you feel that inside of you that like I'm going to look at life in this way and get through the situation with a certain attitude, certain perspective. Is this something you can learn or is this something innate or where do you think that comes from? It's a choice. It's a choice, right? It's a choice. Um, because I think that's one of the things that we all have that no one can take away, regardless of what our situation is, um, is choosing how to f how we feel about something. You know, like I, I you know, we talked about um, the psychological challenges that I had before medical school when I was studying law and. At that point, I was a prisoner in my mind. And, you know, I, I, was, I was stuck in there. I was scared to go outside the house and I was having panic attacks, thinking all these things. And, um, you know, like, uh, and that was really, really hard. Like, it was, um, it was really hard. And I had no insight in, in, in how to get that out. But later, like, I, I made a choice to see life differently later like I, I i you know i choose every, every day i choose to see the good in my life i choose to be grateful for the things that i have and you know what life is amazing um i live in this amazing place i get to see the beach every day i get to do this job that i love i get to uh yeah, it doesn't get much better than that so it's a choice um, it's a choice about how you go through the hard things. It's a choice um, about how you go through life. We have the ability to 
um, make small things big or big things small or see big things as small things or see small things as big things. Like it's, it's uh, we have the choice to process our experiences and our what we see any way we want. Um, and I think by training yourself and learning how to see things differently and how to um, put different uh, value on something, um, I think that changes your whole world. That's, that's incredible. So yeah, it, a lot of these circumstances come down or again, like what, what life is. I mean, uh, choice, perception, of your situation and what, what what you choose to do with that you know i mean i i don't know if this is the space right now to talk about free will or or determinism or anything like that but but at the same time um it is important what you're saying because no matter your circumstance i mean however we choose to see what we're going through you know, just really, really depends on what we're willing to engage that part of our essence into to see through the, those eyes of perception, right? I mean, and just look at what we're going through in 2020. I mean, like being in lockdown Crazy. can be a beautiful thing or it can be, a, you know, it can be a prison. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, I just think it's incredible that you just have created the way I see it, you know, just a life for yourself that is just tremendous. It really is. I mean, you, you went through something very difficult. You help people in your job on a daily basis and you live in paradise. <laughs> so, I mean, man, how can you get better than that? You know? I know. That's you know? right. And Dinesh, I'm, I'm interested as well to, to know, um, how do you see challenges for people who are disabled to get into certain medical job positions? And how is, how is that particular story a challenge for you at a certain yeah. time when you're going to that? Can you speak to that, please? See, this is a, um, yeah, and that, that's a really important topic. Um, <laughs> I, I was just talking to some colleagues overnight about how terrible we are um, as doctors about looking after each other, you know. Um, we're, we're, we're just, uh, we look after our patients, but we are just terrible at looking after each other. And there's been so much, um, there's been so many doctors that end their lives and go through these hard things because of that. And I think um, when you talk about your career, with having a disability as well. I experienced some of the very same things. Um, even though we look after all these people with different types of disabilities, medicine itself is very reluctant, or at least was, um, to have people going through those experiences in the profession itself. Um, for me, um, I had a really supportive medical school, but getting the job was challenging. Um, and then, you know, some, some parts of my career subsequently were challenging as well. And that was purely due to my different physical state. You know, my grades were good. My performance reports are almost, you know, actually are universally good. 
in my hospital, I won Junior Doctor of the Year award in, uh, in my second year out. Um, and I try to do a really good job every day. But um, none of those things matter sometimes when you have a, a spinal cord injury because <laughs> that's the first thing that people see, not your clinical ability, not your thing. Um, it's the first thing that people see. And it's um, really been some, some of my medical seniors that have seen it that way. Many haven't, um, but many have. The funny thing is, not a single patient has been concerned. Every single one of my interactions with the patients, it's, it's been an honor and it's been uh, such a pleasure being a part of these, you know, part of these people's journeys. And um, they've always been grateful and we've just had a great uh, relationship with the doctor and patient. So it's funny. What matters the most. Exactly. That's what matters the most. And around the world, I think um, that there are challenges for people with disabilities wanting to enter the medical profession. Um, I've uh, had some discussions with colleagues in India who are battling these issues. Um, you know, the United States were taking a huge amount of steps to support people with disability wanting to go into medicine, and as was the UK. And Australia is starting to make some progress as well. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing, but I think it's important to have people with lived experiences becoming doctors because, you know, you need to imagine for your profession to have a deep understanding of the very conditions that you deal with every day. I think that's extremely valuable. I also think that uh, the medical profession have been thought leaders in so many different topics over time. Um, and to show that we can create an inclusive profession that we value diversity in this way leaves very little excuse for other industries and other professions to do not to do that. So it has a flow-on effect. Um, so I think it's really important that we take this leadership position now, um, but it hasn't been without challenges. You know, part of me just can't understand that you know like I, just looking from the outside like why especially in the medical field like why would there be any sort like if you're willing whoever like what i mean you went through an injury that was just tough you know i mean that, that's not an easy thing to come out the other side the way you have honestly um and then doing what you do i mean i, I just i'm blown away you know but why would there be any obstacles into like if you're willing to do what you're wanting to do and you show that you can why would there be any obstacles i mean what i i just can't put wrap my head around that you know i i would think that okay he works hard he shows that he can do this he has proved himself time and time again why would there be any stigma around that i can't understand that I think it's perceptions, right? And a, and a lot of this stuff is perceptions. Mm -hmm. uh, I um, I recently visited a social enterprise and it's a huge factory that manufactures a lot of high quality goods. And it's all run by people uh, with various physical conditions. 
Um, so there are, you know, people with hearing impairments and there are people with various motor impairments. And um, I was talking to the leaders of this organization. They said, look, we don't want to, we, we, we just work on being business and selling a good product. Um, and then we make the best product that we can, which, and they do. And then we, um, secondarily, um, the fact that we have a inclusive workforce is a secondary thing. But what they were saying is that, you know, if you say that this is a social enterprise where everything's built by people with disabilities, then the perception automatically changes. I don't know whether they think that it's all, this must be a subpar product, but it's not. Um, and I think, I think that's a really good lesson for society in that we need to flip that script and start thinking about people's abilities and the quality of what they can do rather than thinking the other way around and saying, oh wait, this person's different so the quality of what they can do must be less. I, I, that, that drives me crazy, that whole idea that, that people think that way. I just, I'm, really, I, and if I, if I saw something like that going on, like around me, I would call it out immediately. I'm like, this is, that's what we need. We no? need, yeah, we need people to do that. Exactly. That's, no, seriously. I mean, we, uh, th- there has to be, yes, inclusiveness and just, I, I especially, and thinking and there's just been a lot of conversation around this especially this year that 2020 is learning oh sorry it's teaching us as humans to have more empathy i think empathy is the word as far as the human uh as far as the human behavioral uh way of just something that was really lost for so long really has to i think is putting is so much more in the forefront now and 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 for many different reasons i mean yes we're at home we can reflect we can be more introspective uh you know we're having different dynamics uh routines than before etc but there is a lot of way in which when we're not with each other we also step back and have a more bird's eye view and, and look down and say okay well how are how have we been with each other all this all this time have we been good have we been bad how have we been and so it can put into light more perspective of how we really see each other and i i hear over and over again in different conversations that empathy we have to have empathy to make this world actually go somewhere positive at, you know from now on i don't know i Totally agree. It's funny because, um, you know, we're more connected than ever in certain ways with the age of social media and text messaging, whatever else. But I think we're also more alone than ever as well because people feel more alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I think, you're, yeah, you know, um, unity is so important and togetherness is so important. And it's, I think, um, we shouldn't see that as this soft, weak thing or concept. It's not. It's it's uh, it's strength and it's it's power and it's uh, it, it's what will drive us forward. Like you said, you know, even when you um, even when you think about those gangster movies that you you know people love to watch, 
one of the uh, one of the concepts that they look to is that all these people stick together, and there's that you know the um, honor among the heaps. So it's it's unity that we look to, um, and and I think as humanity we need to we need to look to that. Um, life is about you, you get so much fulfillment from being there for people and um, helping each other through. Um, I think I think that's really really valuable. And today it's more important than ever. And you, you see um, you see uh, contrasting behaviors in humans. And I think survival instincts sometimes kick in, and uh, you see things like people hoarding groceries and um, doing all these things and I'm not I'm not blaming anyone but I, I think that's just a survival instinct but then you see the other side of the continuum as well where people are coming together um, like we saw the story of that uh, elderly gentleman in the United Kingdom that was trying to raise money for the National Health Service yeah so um, you see both both sides of things and I think we have to aspire to try and you know, help each other out. I think that's heroism. That's that's strength, and that's um, the, those are all those amazing qualities. And um, I think we all need to aspire to be a hero at this time. And that would you agree that starts with you, the person, rather than you looking for something to make you the hero? I mean, I yeah. think stories about that, you know. Well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take much for us to do that. It's about little acts. You know, you don't need to go and collect $50 million for something or you don't need to do that. It's about um, dropping off some groceries for your neighbor or um, helping that person across the street or just checking in on something and asking if they're okay. You know, it's, it's things like that. that that's, that's what matters today more than ever. I think if, if each of us just tried to do one little thing like that all the time, uh, I think we're all surprised at how, how much more happiness will add to our lives. And maybe it's just that, you know, maybe it's just that people, not all people, but you know, I don't want to generalize, but some people who, I don't know, because like going back to your, what you mentioned about passion, I think even people just get get stuck in the conundrum of like well okay well the passion must be this little thing i gotta scratch and it'll fall in my hand and it's gonna magically appear you know i I think people have even have a hard time with that like well how do i know what my passion is how can i find it do i have to search for it I, i mean i think i think the the fact that we get so consumed in our own game sometimes that is consequentially bringing us down and not connecting enough with others right in a selfless way in an empathetic way that we i think we really find our let's say meaning it doesn't have to be a particular okay here's the account here's the doctor here's the no it's i think the selfless giving and, and connection with people makes you discover yourself in a certain way do you find that yeah uh, and we really do get caught up in the minutiae of life and it's so easy to lose perspective you know? like um, one of the things we see like you can see it on the road sometimes um, people get so impatient people 
try to cut each other off and people do this and that. But um, at the end of it, you might have gained like 15 seconds in your journey by making someone else sad or disappointed or angry and making yourself angry as well. Whereas, um, yeah, if you let someone in, you might make the traffic go faster. You feel good, they feel good. Um, but yeah, you, you just get so caught up in those little things that you think are so important um, for you to get ahead. You just forget um, what's really important. Yeah, I think you just need to keep the big picture in mind. Sure, and and again, like kind of in, in line with what you're saying a little bit, it's like it doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world for you to move the ball forward and, and that particular direction of what you're saying is it can be like you said like helping out the groceries with for your neighbor or it can just giving you know whatever to somebody else saying hey i'm thinking about you today hope you're doing well it can it's a small things that create and perpetuate this bigger ball and and way of being happy i guess uh you know not that that should be the ultimate goal is just being i think happy i mean i i, I think it's a result of something of the way you live your life every day you know it's just like you and just say uh-huh yeah sorry man i was, I was it, it actually it goes back to what you know they were saying that my mom loves because you don't have to change the world but you just can change the world for someone at least for a few minutes a day exactly. and um some of the some of the most special um and connected and fulfilling moments that I've had in my job is not the medical care that I'm able to help someone with. It's just been bringing them a cup of tea and spending five minutes talking to them about how they feel. Um, and that, that's, that's been more meaningful than anything, you know. How does your your job and staying in that same light, how does your job bring you like meaning in a certain way of, of knowing yourself more, Dinesh? How does, you know, you going to the hospital every day really help you understand more about who you are and yeah. like what are, what are, let's say, reason of being here all together in this you know place in the middle of nowhere in the universe <laughs> you know really mean what, what does that mean to you i think the rawest most um yeah the most uh raw thing the most um visceral thing that i learn and i repeatedly learn every single day is that life is it's it, it's fleeting it's fragile it's unpredictable it's uh you know it, it, it you just don't know and all the time i see people that come in that um have suddenly lost a loved one a fatal car crash some sort of trauma um a person that might have had a fatal heart attack that evening um a person that you find cancer in that that may be terminal suddenly and you know that the person who 
might have tragically passed away that day, they're not going to wake up that morning thinking, this is going to be my last day on earth. You know, but you wonder like, you sometimes sit there and think, I wonder what you'd do if you knew that this was going to be your last day. Would you have lived your day differently? And their loved ones are there sometimes too, you know, I wonder, you know, did, if you knew that it was, that would be your loved one that day, would you have treated them differently? Did you have a fight that day? How did you talk to each other? Um, did you hug each other? And um, I think about that all the time. And it really grounds me, uh, really grounds me in this world and that you have to seize every single day. You have to seize every single one um, because you just don't know. That's incredible, Dinesh. I, I, I think that's just something I hope that most of us can experience or at least have that revelation in our mind some somewhere and in our heart that you know just to put in perspective the, the fragility the beauty the 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 gift it is being alive and just have a perspective about that so that it can help us live more fully and share and, and love you know with everyone around us you know and including strangers you know um dinesh just as a final question for spear lifters what would be your advice that they can take away with just to live fearlessly more than anything right i think we can love more if we feel that fearlessness in our heart not fearless like well i'm not scared of lions or spiders <laughs> you might be but but i'm saying like fearless like with just that attitude of like that positive mental pma positive mental attitude right like just that 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 way of just embracing these seconds that we have on this planet, these minutes, these days, these years, you know, and just and, and, you know, make the most of it. What would be your final word? Of oh, man. Because, and yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it's also not about being fearless. And it's sometimes okay to be scared, but be courageous. That's what Nelson Mandela said. Be courageous. Overcome your fear. Um, yeah, you might be scared about a bunch of things. I was scared to come back to medical school. Because I thought, how would people see me? Will I pass? Will I do this? Will I do that? I had to overcome that. And um, I think we have to be courageous in life. I think, uh, you know, if you're courageous, if you seize the day and if you do all these things, you know, the things that you're going to remember, it's not that extra dollar that you saved. It's not spending, uh, you know, it's not, not the promotion that you got at work. It's not uh, It's not going to be all those things that you think are important. It's going to be the memories that you had with your loved ones. It's going to be, you know, that time you played around on the beach or it's going to be um, the memories that you created for yourself. It's going to be what people remember about you. Um, and it's about how you make them feel, isn't it? Um, those are the really special things. It's it's about the experiences and it's about the connections. Those are actually the things that you can remember last minute. Um, and it's what people are going to remember about you. So be courageous and uh, seize the day. As, uh, as cliche as that sounds, 
seize the day. I completely agree, and that's a great note to end on. And be courageous, seize the day, and ahead of Nelson Mandela's birthday tomorrow. Actually, you know, it's great. To oh well,、wow. I didn't even realize. Yeah, I know. What what timing, right? So, <laughs> I mean, it's just an incredible thing to just just ponder on, and just you know, go ahead and and just. Take charge of this day in the most beautiful, loving way that we can. So, Dinesh, thank you so much for being on this episode of Spearlift, and it was an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Devin. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dinesh. And Spearlifters, please let us know your comments in the description below. And we wish you both, wish you all, sorry, an excellent day. Take care.